Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, this week we're going to be talking about uh, how Trump still hasn't conceded, but is certainly issuing pardons like he knows he's on his way out. Uh, We're going to be talking about Joe Biden's plan to forgive student loan debt. And as always, we will have happy news and troop deployments. And we've got a bunch of happy news this week, so make sure you stick around for that. Um, starting, we have some feedback from the, uh, our last episode. Last episode, we were talking about, uh, how Trump lost in court, uh, and, and can't, his executive order or his, um, his head of Homeland Security wasn't allowed to cancel DACA because it wasn't a legal appointment. And Puma from the Discord had some uh, feedback to that. And he said, so the DACA thing is way stupider than you described and wouldn't stop Biden and wouldn't have ha- wouldn't have stopped Trump if his lawyers weren't terrible. As I understand it, the court said, hey, this interim appointment is only good for 200 days and everything Wolf did after that is void. So then Trump's lawyers said, oh, he wasn't the interim head under the Vacancies Reform Act. He was the acting head under Homeland Security law. And the judge said, okay, then everything he did, including the first 200 days is void because that's not the correct order of succession for Homeland Security heads. (laughs) Classic own goal. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. And that sounds right to me. So it sounds like Biden can still make appointments under the Vacancies Act. Uh, He just can't subvert the Homeland Security uh, governing law because there is an order of succession put in there. That now seems like a good time to remind everyone that (laughs) Trump has the best plans and he puts the best people in charge of executing those plans. And this is the man that's been running the country for the last four years. Everything is fine dog.png. I absolutely thought you were going to say that this is the stupidest timeline. I I thought I did just say that just in a less concise way. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, speaking as an attorney, when you go into court and end up um, proving, leaving your client worse off than the opponent was even trying to do, um, that's, that, that is bad. That means you are not a very good yeah. lawyer. I guess they're just sort of flailing about and trying to see what sticks can backfire sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it's really like amazing to me that Trump's lawyers are as bad as they are. Because it's still, I mean, even if it's Trump, it's still pretty prestigious to work for the president. You'd think he could get lawyers that are at least as good as me. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't know not to, not to get my nominee's entire uh, uh, term of office thrown out. I think the fact that they have such disrespect for, for expertise and um, the way process and things are done can, you know, really turn around and bite them. Because when you don't respect expertise, you don't bother to select for it. And then this sort of shit happens. Yeah, I guess when you're mostly selecting for loyalty, a lot of other things go oh, by yeah. the wayside. I feel like there's a book about that. I actually feel like there's several books about that. Uh, would not surprise me. Dictator's Handbook. He's, he's spent his serfdom. His whole life just kind of skating by on, you know, eh, it'll work out because I'm charismatic and I have a lot of money and uh, and my family name. So, you know, whatever. Uh, I'll just... And he's smart and he makes the best plans and he hires the best people to execute those plans. No, no, David. No, what we're saying is that's actually not true. 
What? Yeah, I don't know if you. Yeah, I don't. The president know doesn't say things this. that are lies, does he? No, he does. What? I, yeah, it's true. Next time, guys, you you're gonna to tell me that. that the election wasn't stolen. <laughs> no, no, of course not. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, so, actually, that does raise a good question. How many of these terrible lawyers are like actual lawyers that he's picked up since they became president, and how many were just like his friends from his days as a real estate grifter? Because I know that Rudy has like been a Trump fanboy for like at least a decade yeah well i think rudy is one of the only ones he actually handpicked i think these other ones are like employees of the justice department so presumably picked by bill barr okay yeah because this case because this case the federal government was the litigant it wasn't trump personally so the justice department would have been arguing this or the solicitor general one of the two I thought that my opinion of the federal government couldn't get any lower, but I guess we're all learning things today, whereby we're all, I mean, me. (laughs) They're all part of the executive branch, so, you know, Trump probably had some influence over who who got assigned here. And a lot of lawyers in those two departments have quit because they didn't want to, you know, commit fraud and violate their uh, their oath by filing frivolous lawsuits so i guess like the the ones that are left are the real hacks okay yeah that makes sense um yeah i mean a lot of a lot of people quit for you know uh reasonable career reasons because you know working in the trump justice department or as the trump solicitor general is probably not as good a resume line as you know it could have been yeah i feel like there's gonna be a lot of people who are just like shall we say on an extended sabbatical uh from hey, 2016 to 2020 as far as future job interviews are concerned everybody was on vacation <laughs> <laughs> all right should we move into the news yes let's okay uh, so first bit of news is that, uh, really not news. It's the same as last time is that Trump has not conceded the election yet. Uh, I, but it's getting, you know, it's getting kind of comical at this point because he's certainly acting like he knows he's on his way out. Uh, and he seems to be indicating that he will leave the white house, but without saying that he concedes the election. No, he doesn't have to concede if he's already been declared the loser. Right. Um, And and it came out today that he's planning a big grand finale at the... As Joe Biden is getting inaugurated, he's going to do, like, a counter celebration. So, uh, Inyash, Inyash, you've done, like, real estate and landlording, right? Yes, a little bit. If you had a tenant who was saying this kind of stuff, what odds would you give that there's going to be shit smeared all over the walls when you go to evict them? Hi. Oh, man. Oh, the White House landlord is not not giving back that security deposit. No, No. but the drama queen part of me really loves this. Like, it feels like a movie where, and I think this is how Trump lives his life. Like, Like, he's the protagonist of some kind of movie and there's got to be this grand epic going away scene at the end because it's so tragic and i I, like it's it's fun and i kind of wish we had more of this but on the other hand it's also like just really really jerking yourself off and uh might 
if this was a thing done regularly, might serve as like a staging ground for a uh, counter force to to rally their supporters to launch an attack from if it became, you know, a common thing. So probably a bad president. I mean, jerking yourself off is most of what politics is about. Well, then he's the best politician. The Trump presidency in particular. (laughs) Yes, certainly not this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And of course he's the best politician. He's been saying it for like the last five years. Haven't you been paying attention? Can't argue with repeated assertions. The real question is how long until Melania leaves Donald for uh, that dreamboat Justin Trudeau? <laughs> so, actually, I have a bet with uh, with somebody on the Discord that uh, by, I think it's July 2021, Trump and Melania will not be seen in public together. Um, I don't know if there will actually be any kind of divorce or separation uh, officially, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be spending much time together after this. I do not see any universe in which Donald's inner um, reality TV show star, which is like 98% of his brain, doesn't uh, see him having a very public divorce as a good way to stay oh, in the I didn't spotlight. I think about it that way, but you're probably right. The good news is I win the bet early if there is a divorce or separation. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Um, so uh, uh, similar uh, similar to, to this story is uh, Trump's been issuing some pardons, including of Michael Flynn, who, if you'll recall, was his uh, was he the chief of staff? What job did he even have? Does anyone remember? I don't. Yeah, he was just he was some high up Trump guy in the White House. <laughs> yeah. And he got he got he pled guilty to lying to FBI investigators. And there was this big drama about if he was going to get sentenced because after he pled guilty, Bill Barr took over the Justice Department and said, oh, we don't want to prosecute him anymore. We want to forgive him. But he already pled guilty. So it was up to the judge um, to let him withdraw the guilty plea. And it went up to the appellate court because they said, oh, he has to um, he has to he has to let him out now before they even like file sentencing memos and the the appellate court sent it back and said like no you have to wait till he actually denies this before you appeal it um and now it's back in front of that judge but then i I believe the judge has just dismissed it now because there's a pardon um but he might i I, he hung on to it for a while and i'm not entirely sure that he has dismissed it but he he got a pardon so uh flynn was national security advisor right this is old news but it does seem like worthwhile to remember that he made it all of 22 days in that position until he resigned (laughs) oh that's why we couldn't remember what job he had Uh, oh it's still not a scaramucci uh yes the mooch What what was that like nine days uh he uh so so after receiving his pardon he immediately went out and started calling for uh trump to declare martial law so that a revote can be held which is just you know exactly what you want from from your presidential pardons so wes he is on team wes tell me does this pardon cover sedition charges because i'm pretty sure this is a sedition it in fact does not it uh, pardons cannot cover any crimes committed after the pardon is issued. What? That's that's a good question. What actually makes something sedition? It's uh, well, there's a, something called yeah. the Sedition Act. I mean, um, I don't, I don't know exactly what it says. 
isn't the Sedition Act the one from World War One that the Supreme Court basically said, yeah, we're going to need to take a mulligan on that like five years later? Yes. So most of the Sedition Act is unconstitutional. I believe it is still illegal to um, incite a violent overthrow of the government. But I think that has to um, right. Just saying it's a good idea doesn't count. Trying. Correct. Um, I think it has to be. You have to. You have to show um, imminent, a clear and present danger of imminent lawless action, or at least that was the standard. And now it's like this weird wishy-washy standard. Um, but they, you know, they still give lip service to that idea. Like all Supreme Court decisions, it's basically like the gut feelings of the justices. I mean, we got to go on but, someone's you know. gut feelings, and they're the oldest. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's true. I mean. It's not really true anymore with, like, being at least 80 years old apparently being a de facto requirement to become a presidential nominee now. And they're making the, the justices that they nominate younger and younger so that they'll have a far more lasting impact. Yeah. I reiterate, this is finedog.png. Uh, right. All right. Well, uh, tune in later for troop deployments. I'll have much more to say about the pardon power. Uh, but for now, we'll move on to our next story. And Eniash, this one is from you. Yeah. Um, this one, I, I don't know how I feel necessarily about the stories I put in here because they aren't things that have actually passed, but they are things that might be passing. Um, this one specifically is that uh, there's a sweeping overhaul of financial crime safeguards that's going to be attached to a must-pass defense legislation, which, you know, both of those are kind of Weasley. Is it actually going to be attached? And is it really must-pass? So uh, I don't know. And there's still some behind-the-scenes negotiation from what this news article tells me. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, apparently they are um, trying to pass a law right now in an attempt to make anonymous shell companies um, much, much harder to pull off so that uh, primarily to stop money laundering, but it would have a much larger effect in that it would be much easier to see who owns what and where what money is going where. And I don't know, I I, I think this is a good thing. I'm, I'm not sure how I necessarily feel about anonymity in general, because I don't like the argument of, you know, why would you have to hide if you have nothing to hide? But on the other hand, I've never liked this practice of having, you know, dozens of nested shell companies to hide anything what you want to do and who owns what. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a good move to me. I'm pretty skeptical of anonymity in a lot of situations, um, and certainly in, uh, you know, owning companies. The whole point of having to register your company is that it's not anonymous, uh, that people know who owns it. Um, so it makes sense that you shouldn't be able to like hide that information um, through a bunch of uh, shell companies that you could still find out this information anyway if you but it takes some expertise and a lot of work to do and I think if if this is good legislation which it probably isn't because it never is but if it is it'll just make that process easier um, not necessarily put any information out there that wasn't discoverable anyway I feel like this is the sort of topic that our listener base probably ex expects me to have a strong opinion about but i actually don't really know much about shell companies and like how they're used to de facto so i'm just doing a marginal revolution search for shell companies and uh whatever that turns up will become my new opinion so if you want to know what my opinion is do a marginal revolution search for shell companies and then make your model of me say whatever 
they say there. Well, one of the big advantages of shell companies is that they... they <laughs> the big advantages. The reason people make them is because they let you get around uh, financial laws and regulations. And... I guess whether I mean, yeah, you think I know they're why good or bad. They exist. Yeah, well, I, whether you think they're good or bad depends on if you think these regulations are a good and and just financial disclosure laws are a good or bad thing. Like, if the Underground Railroad was illegal too, but people thought that was a good thing because slavery was bad, and so if you feel the same way about all these uh, financial regulations on what you can or can't do with your money, then you might be upset that this sort of protective blanket is being taken away. I still, I just, I'm, I'm really torn on this because I used to be, you know, 10 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, good, get rid of that, those motherfuckers. And now I'm like, eh, David's really convinced me that a lot of the government is bad and does bad things. Yeah, I'm still not ready to endorse money laundering. Well, this is distressing. Um, Martial Revolution doesn't really have anything about shell companies. Now you so... don't have an opinion. Oh, no. I, yep. You'll have to copy someone else's opinion. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's happening. Make up your own damn minds, listeners. <laughs> so real quick, before we go away from money laundering, I just want to say, like, so my opinion is that uh, the government says a lot of things are bad and you shouldn't do them. And a lot of those things are, in fact, good. Like, say, smoking marijuana. More on that later. So, like, the government saying this is bad, and then later saying this is really, really bad, and we're going to put resources into stopping it, tells me nothing about the moral character of that thing. And, like I said, I haven't really looked into shell companies and what they're actually used for. I have, of course, heard the government propaganda about them, which I have discounted because of the source. Uh, so yeah, I don't know anything about them, and if anyone can, uh, suggest a good source that, like, has actual non-propagandistic facts about what shell companies are and how they're used in fact, I would very much appreciate it. I do have a sneaking suspicion that this is just another way to persecute yeah. sex workers. That is probably true, yes. All right, well, listeners, uh, give us your wisdom on this one, because we don't really know. All right, moving on. Next story is from Eniash. Yeah, so this is another one of those things that lawmakers want to do uh, that they're talking about. But uh, Joe Biden has strongly, strongly... Joe Biden has been pushing for Congress to pass some sort of law that would forgive uh, student loans up to 10000 Well, starting at $10,000 for everyone and then going up to 50000 based on some nebulous criteria that they don't really have hammered out. Um, means testing. Question, Always the... means testing. Nothing but means testing. No, what they should do is they should give it to people whose debt have gone to, uh, to getting very highly productive degrees with, of course, the most money going to people who went into debt to get PhDs in economics. Hint, hint. Hmm. Maybe we could maybe we could structure this as a tax advantage savings account somehow. <laughs> uh. I mean, on the one hand, I think this is the stupidest thing ever when the president just says Congress should do a thing. Then, then everyone's like, oh, the president is saying this should happen. I'm like, he just, I can say Congress should do a thing. And I guess oh, no. it's more if Joe Biden says it. No, 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 no. You've got this all wrong. Yeah. This is the thing Joe Biden can do by executive order. I saw there was a lot of controversy whether he could actually do that. I mean, the the people I've been been reading seem to think that it is pretty cut and dry 
that this is a power of the president. Uh, whether he should yeah. do that, I think, is controversial. But from what I've been seeing, it's something he can do. Okay. So, so is the idea that he's going to cancel the debt, or is he going to pay off cancel. the debt? So he's, uh, is that just for federal student debt, or is it for like private loans? It's student debt held by the government. Okay. Yeah. Then that's probably something he can just do. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I read, I, I, I actually commented on, uh, a blog the other day about this plan that, and, and what I said was, look, I don't know how, but I, somehow I know I will not benefit from this because it's Democrats and Democrats are pathologically against anything that might help out anyone in the middle class. <laughs> so I just know that whatever they do. My student debt won't count. I Well, it's not just that. Like, the thing that kind of irks me about the whole thing is that people with um, college degrees are just better off than people without them, generally. Like, the college degree is worth more. Their lifetime earnings will be more. Just in general, once you have a college degree, your life is better off by more than the cost of the degree in pretty much all cases. So kind of what this is doing is taxing everyone who is worse off and can't get a college degree to subsidize the people who are better off and can get one and that just feels really icky to me well this is um this is where it's important to understand that this is a thing that can be done by executive order because the best take i heard about this was from maddie glacius who basically said look if you could take that money and just divide it up amongst everybody or give it to poor people, that would be better. Yes, much better. But the president doesn't have the power to do that. This is one thing the president can do without Congress. So the question is, is this good or is this bad? Not like, is there are there better things to do with this money? In effect, it's taxing everybody in the country to I mean, give only the money to the people who could go to college. No, not necessarily if their taxes were raised. They've already paid the taxes. Right. So, so they've already given that money to the government who will now be giving it back to the people who are in student debt. Right. But well, it, if if Joe Biden decides to do this, it doesn't mean anyone else is going to lose more money, except like maybe it's some sort of like, oh, the national debt, we'll have to pay that back in the future from our children or that kind of reasoning. Uh, but certainly nobody right now is going to be paying extra to do this. I I don't think that is a good argument for taking the tax money well, of everyone and I think giving it, it to the more well-off. <laughs> He's not wrong. I think it is um, because it really depends on how you view government borrowing. Um, I've, I've been pretty convinced by the arguments that government, government borrowing right now is basically they get negative interest rates uh, when, you, when you add in inflation. So it's not it's, – it's, this is the least government debt matters right now that it will ever matter. Sure. Um, so I think we I should mean, be a lot more liberal yes, with what but, we're willing to yes, do. Yes, but just be, just because government debt matters less now than it will at other time points in time doesn't mean it's mattering is negative. Like, we shouldn't just be taking on debt for any and every reason just because we can, just because no other time will be better. Because, like, if that's the case, then why not just have the government buy literally everything and uh, distribute it and pay for it with debt? Because, like, there's no way that could end badly. Right. Yeah, I, I think it still has to be a good idea on the merits. 
And this is clearly not because it's insanely regressive. Um, it's regressive in that it helps out um, the middle class and not the poor. And also the upper class. Yeah, and the upper class. But it helps them, you know, they, they, they barely notice. And pro- like I told you, they're probably going to structure it so it doesn't. I mean, if they structure it so it doesn't, then this won't help right. anyone. Because the poor don't take on a bunch of education debt. Yeah. But look, I think I completely concede this is not the best use of government money. That's but if the choice lightly. is do this or do nothing, I think this is good because the economy needs stimulus. Um, and this is a way to do that. No, but if you want to stimulate the economy, then forgiving debt is a really bad way to do that. Because when you forgive people's debts, they tend to put the money they would have used to pay off the debt into saving instead of spending it. Does that is that true of student debt? Uh, it's true of every type of debt I've looked at specifically, so probably. Right. Well, yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm very on the fence about this. I think it's certainly certainly not the best thing we could do, but it's a thing we can do. This is especially weird coming from you because you're the one who, like, super hardcore believes that mon- money has strongly diminishing utility. In which case, this is basically just taking a bunch of utility and setting it on fire. I, I certainly think it is a bad idea. It's not the worst idea because, you know, education is... A positional good which should be taxed to reach the... I don't know, you're the one who keeps saying that education is terrible. Education is terrible. I would like us... So why are you trying to subsidize it more? We're not... I don't want them to subsidize it in the future, but these people already went to school. Oh my god, it's okay. Uh, So uh, is your position that people are incapable of doing strategic reasoning when they're making decisions in the future about whether or not they go to school? Because, like, if the government does this once then the genie's out of the bottle and like people can expect that they are going to get at least some of their debt forgiven and s- schools can set tuition based on that assumption i am very skeptical of the moral hazard argument okay i mean do you have any grounds for being skeptical of it because just because they do it now doesn't mean they're going to do it in the future People are going to act as if they're That's likely a, to do it in the future anyway. Yes. Which will make it more necessary for it actually to be done in the future. Also, yes. And since the government has shown that they can and will do this thing, there will be a lot of pressure to do it again because everyone has gone into so much debt to get their stupid liberal arts degree. Yes. <laughs> I just, I feel like that's a separate issue and this won't, even if it does exacerbate that, it'll be by a tiny amount. Uh, that's like a drop in the bucket compared to the actual problem. I don't know. I'm just you. I'm just generally in favor of the government giving people money uh, instead of doing Friendly their weird reminder that the government doesn't give people plans. money. The government takes money from some people and gives it to others. Yeah. And in this case, takes money from poor people and gives it to rich people. No, it takes money from rich people. And gives it to, you know, middle class and rich people. I'm glad you believe that. That's who pays the most taxes. It's true that rich people pay the most taxes, but I'm not sure if that's a great argument for, and therefore the government should be used to benefit the rich since they pay all those taxes. Like I said, I agree that this money could be better spent in other ways. All right. You just can't do that with by executive order. And if you can't do it by executive order, you can't do it. 
Yeah, so the question is, is this policy better than doing literally nothing? And the answer is very far from clearly yes. Like, I, I think it probably is worse than doing nothing. Yeah, as I said, I, I'm on the fence about it. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm leaning yes, but, you know, very <laughs> epistemic status, uh, not, okay. not great. All right. Well, I think we argued about that enough. Readers. Readers. We don't have readers. Listeners. <laughs> Tell us what you think. Um, and if you say something smart, we'll read it on the next episode. And if you say something dumb, we won't. And we'll laugh at it. <laughs> Maybe we'll read it out loud so we can laugh at it. Yeah, right? Maybe we will. Um, all right. Next story. Uh, Israel is uh, really uh, trying to fuck over Iran. They have seemingly killed Iran's top nuclear scientist. Um, and word on the street is this is really going to make it difficult for Joe Biden to put the U.S. back into the Iran nuclear I would deal. love to know what streets you're hanging out on. <laughs> <laughs> the educated streets, sir. Uh, uh, yeah, come on. Where all yeah, the lawyers hang out. Invited, you economist. We don't talk to your kind unless we need an expert that we can pay to say what we want. <laughs> Speaking of which, feel free to hire me. I am on the job market. Excellent. I think this is, I don't know. On the one hand, I don't want um, any more countries to get nuclear weapons. On the other hand, especially not Iran. uh, On the other hand, you know, going around assassinating people's scientists tends to get them really angry and could lead to retaliations and maybe more wars. I don't know. I I am not a fan of, of this of anything that's been happening in the Middle East for the last centuries. Well, I was a fan of the Iran nuclear deal and was pretty pissed off when Trump decided to arbitrarily pull out of it um, and was hopeful that Biden could get us back in. And I am uh, unhappy that this has happened because it sounds like it will make it much more difficult. Um, now, why will it make it more difficult to get back well, in? Well, it was already going to be very difficult because of Trump. And just from Iran's perspective, it's like, sure, Biden can make all these promises, but he's he's not really going to be able to bind any successors because he's not going to be able any treaty he signs. He's not going to be able to get it through Congress. Um, and the way treaties work is that the president can make them and they have the force of law. But then the next president can just overturn them um, if the if they get congressional approval, then to overturn them takes congressional approval. But Biden's not going to be able to get any kind of deal through Congress on this. So uh, so it's going to be hard anyway. But now that Israel's being this belligerent and their top nuclear scientist is dead, that really removes an incentive for them to make a deal because the, the whole their whole incentive was that they get to, um, you know, they can study nuclear power. They're not denied nuclear power. They're just denied nuclear weapons. And uh, they're. Now their their lead scientist on that is dead. Do we know how deep their nuclear scientist bench is? Did he have like a promising understudy or something? <laughs> I do not know. Uh, if nothing else, yeah. it would make people much more reluctant to take that job if they know they're likely to get assassinated every decade or so. But yeah, just um the whole the whole point of the nuclear deal was for Iran to like you know become have a, have a path to like being a respected global citizen, um, and this really is just like throwing sand in their face. Like how many of the top talented people in your country are you allowed to get assassinated before you just go and drop a bomb on the capitol building while it's in session as retaliation i hope it's more than I, one I, I mean me too this isn't the first time israel has assassinated someone in the middle east though i'm not sure if iran has always been their target 
but I know they've been leaning on assassinations. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible that they did this because they didn't want another nuclear deal. Yeah, that that sounds plausible to me. Yeah, because they were super against the first one. I am I am inclined to believe that Israel Israel's air defense can probably keep their capital from getting bombed. Um, yeah, I would think so. Also, I'm pr- I'm not super sure, but I'm pretty sure Israel could take Iran, and I'm less sure, but still pretty sure that Iran knows that. Yeah. At some point, though, you're just willing to take the hit for revenge, because how can you function if you're neighbor over there is assassinating anyone that they feel might be too advantageous to you. Yeah, Israel can definitely take Iran because Israel has a deal with the United States that will defend them if they're attacked. Yeah, so I so the thing is maybe I'm expecting too much of the people in charge of Iran, but I feel like they would think if we attack Israel, we're definitely getting deposed. If we don't attack Israel, then we're probably not getting deposed so like i don't see any way for that calculus to come out where they end up attacking israel but then there are oh, some they don't re- they just find palestinians who are yes, going to attack that israel. is very plausible but yes which is also bad. yes definitely but also they are less likely to be able to do the sorts of things that will like start a full-blown shooting war which I think we can agree is the worst case scenario. Looks like in the past decade, Israel assassinated two other nuclear scientists and an electrical (laughs) engineer for some reason and a general. I I like to think that the electrical engineer was just like the assassins got the (laughs) wrong address. Like that one time the FBI got the wrong address and that other time they got the wrong address and that other time they got the wrong address. Well, the important thing is they weren't civilly liable for any of that. Yes, true. God bless America. Amen. All right. Next story. Eniash put this on here. It's a big culture war issue, but we're going to talk about it, I guess. Yay, culture uh, war issues. This is a, this is a Matt Iglesias tweet um, that, that uh, links to a article on his new blog that he has on Substack uh, after he left Fox because they were stifling his creativity. Um, the, he's, it's about the racial wealth gap. And he said it's it's a somewhat perverse way to think about it, that there's a gap between black and white, because when you actually look at it, there's the top 25 percent of white people and then there's everybody else. And the bottom 75 percent of white people uh, is about has about the wealth distribution of the of all black people. Um, so when you're talking about, um, racial wealth gaps and, and constituent, constituent groups and interest groups in general, really the bottom 75% of white people should be in the same group as black people and the, uh, you know, the rich, the wealthy, they're just the top 25% of white people and they should have, you know, we should be conceptualizing them as their own separate group. I feel like this should be a troop deployment. Yeah, probably. Like this isn't really news. Uh, Yeah, maybe. I found it very interesting. It's very much in the in the um, old style of the elites are doing whatever they can to distract and divide the people to uh, to keep the targets off of them. Like this is one of those things. Let's foment racial divisiveness so that people don't realize the real problem is the uh, class struggle between the extremely wealthy and everyone else. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the main point was that like, oh yeah, you can increase racial diversity by, you know, making sure that, that the top 500 richest people include more black people, but that doesn't really help anyone but them. 
Um, and if you really want to talk about, you know, improving things for the majority of, uh, of racial minorities, then it's about decreasing inequality in general. It, it, it would help. Hopefully it would help all poorer people rather than just the uh, racial minorities, because that's that's kind of the point and also would get everyone else on on board as well. All wallets matter. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Don't worry. Uh, Eniash is going to get his canceled even worse later. So, oh, shit. Uh, so let's just move on to happy news. Uh, our first bit of happy news comes from David. Yeah, he says our first bit of happy news, but this is actually uh, mislabeling. This is not happy news. The uh, Satan-worshipping socialist liberals in the House of Representatives have voted to legalize smoking the devil's lettuce and corruption of the youth. Oh, my. Shocking. Federally, you mean? Yes. That is a huge step forward. Forward? <laughs> it's only the House of Representatives. Don't get excited. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. promise you this isn't getting cocaine through the Senate. Mitch. Now, if it was cocaine, then Mitch would pass it <laughs> so that he can convert his smuggling operation to legal wholesale. It, no, the if it was legal wholesaling, it wouldn't be nearly yeah, as possible. Man. Dealers, dealers are the people most against legalization. All right. Other happy news. We have a lot of happy science news. Um. The first is that you, the UK has approved the Pfizer COVID vaccine, uh, and we we, yeah, we didn't do we didn't talk about COVID in the regular news section because there's really no updates on it. It still sucks. Our cases are still going up. Deaths are still going up. Everything's terrible. Um, but the vaccine's safe. Uh, the UK approved it, um, and I I just found it funny because you know all the usual scolds are, are wringing their hands about it. Because, oh, they did it too fast, and oh, they didn't follow proper procedures. And that, you know, it's obviously not dangerous. The, I'm sure the U.S. is going to approve it in three days on the 10th during their regularly scheduled meeting because they couldn't oh bump it up a few days. <laughs> I think I think David already ranted about this last episode. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, as it turns out, there's no reason for that, just as we suspected, institutional inertia. I mean no, I just, it sounds like this is something that in all cases could be approved in a matter of days. And like, what is the dragging the feet just to make it look like it's really hard? Is this the guy who's, you know, at his desk always like, oh man, I'm working away so hard when he's doing nothing so he keeps his job? Well, well that's Fauci's justification. He came out and said, oh no, you don't want to approve it too fast because then the public will think we rushed it. Heavens for fend. <laughs> I'm like you gotta be kidding me! I mean, if if that is your reason, you can't <laughs> you know. ever say that publicly because now you just shot yourself in the foot by saying that's the only reason you're delaying. Now it's obviously a post hoc rationalization excuse. It's I don't know. He, they're just covering for their own dumb. I don't even know what you call it. Fuckery. <laughs> they're fuckery. It's dumb. It it's. The UK approved it. That means it's safe. The US should have approved it by now. But like we said last time, the uh, that will only stop people getting it between when it should have been approved and now. It's they're they're making as many doses as possible. So as soon as the approval happens, they're going to start handing them out. So it's not gonna it's not it's not really gonna it's not gonna delay anything that would have happened. It'll probably after only it anyway. kill a few thousand. It just people. means that yeah, right. Only a few thousand people are going to die that didn't need to. Uh, so uh, cool. Um, but the good news is the UK has approved it. So that means it's safe. That means almost certainly the US will approve it. Um, and there's no surprise bad news there. 
Uh, next piece of science news is that neurons in mice were somehow were rejuvenated and and restored their sight, um, which apparently they get this age-related blindness. Their uh, the cells in their eyes just kind of wear out uh, or the, the neurons in their eyes wear out and they were able to do this treatment that turned back the clock and restored their eyesight. So that's cool evidence on the fight against aging. Uh, you know, maybe again, this is, this is a mouse study. This is one thing, you know, we're not there yet, but always good to, uh, to see progress being made. Oh yeah. Yay. Uh, more science in the UK news. Uh, lab-grown meat was approved for sale there. I, I find it weird that they had to be approved. I mean, I think everything that gets sold as food has to go through some kind of approval process. It's not right. Uh, but it is approved for sale, and they're going to start selling it. Uh, and this is, you know, this is good news for anyone who cares about animal welfare. And I'm probably, like, the farthest thing from an animal welfare advocate. But I do think if there is a way to eat meat without you know, hurting any animals, that's just strictly better. Slightly related to the... I, I absolutely, by the way, I agree with you that the torture of animals would be great if it were to stop. Um, Did you see the thing about the, uh, the bioethicist who was all saying like, oh my god, we we can open up the nightmare future of people cultivating uh, human cells for, for gra- lab-grown meat consumption. And- would it be violating... Would it be violating the uh, rule against advocating democide to say that the world would really, really be better off if we put all bioethicists <laughs> against the wall? Because, like, holy shit. As long as it is a wall of teaching people skills to get better jobs, then uh, it's an okay wall. <laughs> if it's a shooting wall, then that is a bad, and you should not do that. What if it's a wall of leading into a padded cell where they can't hurt themselves or anyone else, but they don't die and are ki- are well taken care of because clearly they have serious mental issues and we should be empathic and caring towards people who have problems that run that deep. That at least sounds more palatable on its face. Okay, cool. I, I was going to say, there's got to be like one of those internet rules that like any scientific advancement that gets made, some there's some ethicist who, who gets paid for being an ethicist out there who will say that it's terrible. Yeah. I think my favorite part of that thing is that apparently some artist uh, got some cultured, like, human lab-grown meat cells and, uh, like, put them on a plate and arranged them in this, you know, fancy dinner kind of presentation thing. It looked like little tiny sushi rolls from what I saw. I don't know. And then put it up as an art installation and then had all sorts of, like, oh my people God. yelling at him and saying how horrific this was and it was opening up the nightmare of eating humans in the future. Yeah. The horror. Uh yeah. But no, this is this is great. Um animals are that are raised for slaughter are treated very badly in ge- uh, generally. Uh so anything that stops that from happening um but still allows people to eat their delicious meat is good. Um you know, it's still not they still haven't gotten the texture right. Um it's mostly just like chicken nuggets that they're making uh because those are generally made of <laughs> pretty meat weird pieces of the chicken anyway um but the uh you know the 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 ethical altruists tell me that uh if you're if you're if there's any meat that they would choose if they could only choose to replace uh one animal or get people to stop eating one animal it would be chickens so uh 
until we can um, figure out how to make convincing tasting and feeling chicken feet. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to still need to keep factory farming them because uh, those are by far the most consumed parts of chickens because people in China eat them like popcorn and there are a lot of people in China. But it's a step in the true? right direction. Yes. The uh, chicken when you feet go- are the most consumed part? Yeah, when you go to oh, the dead. supermarket and buy, like, a chicken breast or a chicken wing or whatever, you're paying significantly less than the cost of that breast or wing or whatever uh, relative to the cost of raising the chicken uh, because the, like, cash crop part of the chicken is the feet and everything else they can uh. sell at a loss just because they need to get two breasts and two wings Jesus. per two feet. Well, problem for another day, I suppose. All right. Yeah. Next piece of happy news. Uh, DeepMind, which is the the Google um, artificial intelligence, has solved what they call the protein folding problem. Oh, man. You went out on a limb putting this in the happy news section. <laughs> oh, is this not happy news? Is this like... Yeah, DeepMind is a Nazi. Didn't you hear? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, DeepMind's not a Nazi. It's tra- it was just trained on Nazis. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It it depends on how you feel about the ability of um, artificial intelligences to manipulate the environment. Well, I think the happy part isn't that uh, this artificial intelligence is great. The happy part is that the protein folding problem's been solved, which I had no idea what it was, so I asked people on the Discord, and they say that it this is a th- something that we've been trying to do for 50 years, and it will allow us to make uh, better medicine because we'll be able to predict the shape of proteins, and that will uh, has applications in a lot of medical science. Yes, we can now much more accurately uh, model the actions of itty-bitty molecules and how they interact with each other, which uh, is a lot of, of, of medicine and bio Yeah, stuff. and one of the, the ways that they created the coronavirus vaccines was by figuring out the shape of it. And it has these apparently has these spikes, and part of what the vaccine does is it, it prevents the spikes from like attaching to your cells. Um, and so understanding the shape of of these molecules and proteins is uh, important. Is folding, I mean, is solved correctly, uh, uh, technically correct? Like, I heard it made great advances on the protein folding thing, but I don't think it was fully solved here. So I've heard conflicting accounts of that. And like I said, I have no idea about any of this. So I, I was just asking people in the Discord, but I've seen different headlines saying like, Oh, it's solved. And other ones like say, well, technically, no, it's not solved. It's just, you know, we've just made some you know, big advances in it. So I, I don't really care which one it is because I, I didn't know what this thing was before I heard this story. Uh, but either way, it's a significant step forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the only reason I say that it's, you know, controversial to put it in the happy news part is because it's a lot like um, figuring out how to split the atom maybe it's like yes you get a lot of applications out of this new tool that you've discovered that you can manipulate the world with but you know that that new tool has power that can be used for good and bad so uh maybe you would have just preferred people not have that power until the human race in general is smarter and saner and pro humans in general so well i put it in happy news because uh we're pro science here on the mind killer yay (laughs) 
All right. And also in questionable happy news, <laughs> China has uh, has has made a fusion reactor that is nicknamed the artificial sun because it gets so hot. Uh, and they turned it on this week and it actually works. Oh, I didn't hear that they turned it on. Which is cool. Yeah, they turned it on. Yeah. Shit. Okay. This is a this is a prototype. This is not something that can actually be used as a generator because it apparently takes more power to get to like get it as hot as it needs to oh, get to well, run okay. that it that it outputs. Yeah, I, I thought you meant this was making more power. Oh, so the Okay, so this is just like this is just literally like an, another dang fusion reactor like we've had for like 30 well, apparently years. Apparently this is a uh the most advanced one so far. It is a way to fuse okay. things, not a way to get power. Correct. Currently. I mean, it, it, yeah. it creates power, it just, you know, takes more power to do it. So, no, it is not a, It is not an efficient way to make power. I mean, I can make money for you as long as it's okay that I take more money than I make. Ah, the Donald Trump method. <laughs> He's not wrong. Um, but David, <laughs> I thought uh, here would be a good... Uh, place for you to plug thorium reactors yes thorium reactors are better than fusion reactors because they actually exist uh (laughs) and either one of them would get um would get the price of uh energy at least as far as raw inputs are concerned down into single digit numbers of dollars per uh terawatt um obviously they will also have labor costs, um, so we don't know exactly where that will land, but it's probably not going to be too, too much higher, and a terawatt is about as much uh, energy as a typical American consumes in three years, so that would put us solidly into too cheap to meter territory, and once you hit that, the marginal improvement from getting the fusion over thorium is very small. So what we should do is we should put the NIMBYs into the same padded cells as we put the bioethicists into and then just make thorium reactors. And then, like, we can still keep working on fusion reactors because they are cool and we might need them somewhere, uh, like maybe on Europa where there's water but probably not any thorium. But it'll be, like, a cool future thing that we can do in the cool future not something we actually need to do right now. All right. Well, if all that happy news didn't seem happy enough, it's because it was all oh. a lead-in oh, the to news. the real happy news of this week, which is that yes. Slate Star Codex is coming Woo! back. In January! Yes, in January. That's next month. That is awesome. I was wondering, because he announced the Substack yeah. thing several months ago, but just maintained radio silence on the blog. And I was like, what is this happening? Is he going to wait for the new year? And yeah, yeah, it turns out that's what, what's going yeah. on. But yeah, he left a Reddit comment saying that he will be writing God, again yes. in January. Yeah, so yeah. unambiguous good news. All right. And that takes us to troop deployments. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our three hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield each show. And we will start with David. Uh, so um, we are, we, but whereby we, I mean some people on the Discord, uh, are tentatively planning a victory over COVID party once we all get the shot in the arm. And uh, we are going to just have a giant bender where we celebrate all the celebrations we would have celebrated in uh, 2020 and 
early 2021 that we didn't get to because of the plague times. And so, yeah, it's gonna be lit, and we'll probably talk about it on the show, and you should come. There'll be a lot of drugs. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you, thank you, you David. You far too publicly, David. Now, now the cops are gonna show up. I, I'm pretty sure the cops don't listen to this show. Hey, but... any cops, if you're listening, you have to tell us you're cops. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> yes, otherwise it's entrapment. That's how the law Trust works. Me, I'm a lawyer. Unless you give us money on Patreon, then you can stay He's a cop. lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, David. Uh, we'll all be there for your drug party. Uh, Eniash. Yeah, okay. So I got to talking last week with some people on the Discord about the whole non-binary thing and what annoys me about it. And... Uh, at the end where the discussion kind of left off because I walked away and there was no uh, answer given to this at the time of my leaving was that um, the, the in, in caps, the binary is a thing that apparently means all sorts of different things, to different people. And I was trying to get, figure out what the hell exactly this binary is um, because it, it, <laughs> the gender roles, when when I think of the binary, I think of like basically the emotionless uh, space marine on the far left, and like the um, empty-headed Barbie doll with all her agency stripped away on the far right, and um, and it, for people who say I opt out of that, well, yes, obviously, but so does almost everybody. Like th- there are extremely few people who really want that sort of binary in society, so. I got to think, asking, like, what is this binary you're opting out of? And uh, eventually just got to the point that no one really has a definition of what the binary is and uh, what it is they think they're uh, opting out of, aside from, quote-unquote, stereotypical gender roles, uh, which nobody is a fan of for the most part. And the the thing that annoys me about the non-binary thing is that opting out of gender roles is not a new thing. Like, this is something people have been doing for fucking ages, and uh, up until the last decade, what happened when you opted out of gender roles is you would say, I am a woman, and I reject your gender roles. Like, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I have to do your stupid Barbie loss of agency shit. And guys could say, I'm a man, and I reject your gender roles. I can still have emotions and cry and do a find joy in life that is not, you know, found at the end of worshipping the Emperor and crushing his enemies under my boot. Um, and nowadays, it seems like the non-binary people are saying, I reject gender roles, therefore I am not a woman. Because they just equate being a woman with those gender roles. Or I reject gender roles, therefore I'm not a man for the same reason. And uh, I think that is kind of dumb. And in in, in particular, I hate how much um, power it gives to the gender roles. That like, oh, if you... Uh, if you are a man, you have to fit these gender roles because that's how much strength they have. But I also think it's a losing strategy in general because the vast majority of people, when they say women or man, refer to sex. That's what is kind of important uh, for procreational reasons and other reasons in society. And so anyone who says, I reject gender roles, therefore I'm not a man, is just kind of wrong. Like, he, he can reject gender roles, but... I can reject gender roles, I often do, and yet I still produce sperm. And uh, therefore, I think that sort of phrasing of I reject gender roles, therefore I'm not a woman or a man, uh, is something that's going to fizzle out and die simply because it is 
obviously false on the face of it if you aren't going all deep wonky theory which most people don't have the time to do and i really hope that doesn't get us canceled because i don't think that's that controversial but you know whatever i see you haven't met the internet <laughs> yet, sir. <laughs> yeah. um yeah no i don't i don't really agree with uh all of that but i'll yeah. leave it sit because uh this is what troop deployments are for all right my troop deployment is that the pardon power is too broad Uh, Donald Trump, as we mentioned earlier on the show, has already pardoned a few of his criminal associates, and this week it came out that he was considering issuing a blanket pardon for his children. Uh, It's often said that accepting a pardon is an admission of guilt, but that's not really true. John John Jr. doesn't have to admit anything for that pardon to mean that he won't be prosecuted for anything he did during the Trump presidency. The pardon power has questionable origins, as it's linked to the divine right of kings. But it is an important power nonetheless. There should be a final line of defense against misuses of the coercive power of the state. If something is a technical violation of the law, but it would be unjust to prosecute, prosecutorial discretion is the only other escape valve. It's good to have another one. It doesn't necessarily need to be the president, but the Constitution says it is, so that's what we're stuck with. The Constitution, however, says only that, and I quote, the president shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. That's it. That leaves a lot of room for Congress to regulate that power. I propose that Congress pass a law stating that the president has plenary power to issue pardons, but to accept a pardon, a person must, within 90 days of the pardon being issued, file an affidavit in federal court stating what crimes were committed and laying a factual foundation for the crime. When someone pleads guilty to a crime in regular court, they must, under oath, say what they did. The same should be required to accept a pardon. The president should not be allowed to pardon someone for undisclosed crimes. If someone's going to receive a pardon, the public should know, at the very least, what they are being pardoned for. Damn. Well stated. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Remember to follow us. Uh, If you love us, leave us a review. If you hate us, leave us a review. And if you really hate us, support us on Patreon. Link is in the show notes. Uh, All right, and we'll be back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.